Welcome to episode three of season two of Asteroids in Exile. I'm Niv. I'm Martin. Hello. And this is obviously Asteroids in Exile. So <laughs> welcome, everyone. Um, we got a pretty big show this time because we got a lot to a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, I think Martin and I haven't spoken in a while, and the last episode was purely Iron Fist focused. Yeah, so we got a lot of news in the last couple of weeks, um, and there's been a lot of trailers released. So yeah, we got a bumper one. Anything exciting that you're looking forward to, Martin? Trailer wise, oh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, of or, course. Or anything in general. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's so much stuff to be to be excited about, and I see first thing on our list is the second trailer for Guardian of the Galaxy, revealing Kurt Russell as a certain <laughs> human-sized planet. <laughs> which is yeah. such an odd decision but a, a great actor a great look and you know i'm really looking forward to that movie especially since you told me about the uh new color uh color correction method color grading method that marvel is using well yeah i don't know if like i don't know if it's re- that they're actually using a new one but it looks a lot better than the previous movies you know previously we talked about how all of their colors were kind of muted and washed out Whereas this time in this trailer, it looks like it's a lot more bright and colorful. And it it might be signifying some sort of um, change as we go towards Infinity War and the next phase of the Marvel movies. Because even as we'll talk about later, even the Thor Ragnarok pictures, they look very bright and colorful. And if they mute down the colors, it's not going to have the same effect. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. No, especially the... The psychological thing with Guardians of the Galaxy being a bit more lighthearted in tone and and much more more out there than the other Marvel movies, uh, in the sense of that they can go all out because it's in space, set with with all kinds of aliens and stuff. And that might be it, right? I mean, it just because they're they're not on Earth, so the colors in space are much deeper and brighter than everything else. Yeah, because it's set in space, black gives you a great contrast. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Mantis is freaking me out. Really? Yeah. Why? I, I don't know. The the uh, makeup routine is uh, taking an angle grinder to her face to get the smooth skin, and afterwards polishing it. <laughs> it re- so the the smooth texture of the sk- or, or the 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 lack of texture on the skin is freaking me out. Right. Ah, that's an interesting one. Um. She can't, I mean, she's an alien, so she's supposed to look maybe a little bit um, <laughs> like a snail type uh, yeah, skin, she's, is what I was thinking of. She's like, an insect, bit, uh, I think. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, it, it, it just it, it, it creeps me out. <laughs> because yeah, she, fair enough. She looks alien, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that's what they're going for. They want to make it uncomfortable. We want to make her sexy and a little bit freaky, like <laughs> freaky looking. Yeah, she definitely gets my freaky... <laughs> On. <laughs> but overall i think it was a good trailer i think um it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun um i almost don't want to see any more now because again you know coming as the movie's not that far away um i just want to see it i don't want to see any more trailers yeah it's time and it's it's out in may so the ca- we don't have it's to like a month out. away right yeah. the countdown yeah. begins it's the seventh seventh <laughs> of may or so yeah yeah speaking of freaky aliens alien covenant what are your thoughts? I'm very excited over this. I mean, I saw Life last week, and that was just not very good. Um, it was like a real, like a poor man's version of Alien, you know? Um, just didn't didn't bring anything new to the table, was the way I kind of uh, reviewed it with friends. Um, 
they should have just not they the, that movie would have redeemed itself there was all these rumors going around that it was supposed to be or it could have been the um the origin story for venom because life was made oh, by sony okay yeah which owns this which owns the spider-man program um spider-man franchise and venom being like an alien symbiote that comes to earth um and then finally you know finds peter parker if they had backdoored venom at the end that would have been <laughs> would have been amazing especially that would have been really cool sorry i, I just <laughs> i just sort of thought about the words that i just used in my head but if they had made it a, that it was venom like a, that whatever the thing is that they brought down to ended up being venom um that would have been really cool i that would have redeemed the movie for me and you that, know? i've heard a part of the movie is that the alien life is uh siphoning off you know i don't want to spoil it, the movie it's like feeding off it's feeding off uh one of the one of the uh the cast members Well, it feeds on, it seems to be feeding on like lots of things in the movie. Like it's not, it's not very clear on what it is and how it actually works. Um, so, and as it, as they kind of find it and then as it develops, I guess, over the course of the movie, it changes form a few times, which is quite cool and is quite interesting. Um, and then I think one of the, it would have been super easy if they had just reshot even the last two minutes of the movie and not even had to reshoot anything. They could have just animated it in and they could have laid the seeds for it to become Venom in the end. You know, it would, would have been, been like, great. it yeah. would have been such a class. I think it would have been such a classy move. Like yeah. it would have made the point of that movie actually have a purpose. because it felt like it was just like, Oh, we wanted to make alien, but we didn't have the right. So we made this kind of weird poor version in the end because like even none of the cast, it was a pretty good cast. But none of the cast even like shone in the movie. Like Jake Gyllenhaal's character was kind of, it's just just really weak. Like I, I didn't understand any of the characters and they, they could have just cast nobodies in and spent more time on the production. <laughs> the production was really good. So, you know, that they could have made it even better if they'd not had such such a big cast. Like I don't understand why they made that movie at all. Anyway, this is an Alien Covenant <laughs> review. <laughs> <laughs> not not a, a life review but you know there you go that's why i'm looking forward to alien covenant like despite that prometheus was so weird uh <laughs> i'm really hoping alien covenant is gonna be everything it's gonna be everything that we were expecting from another alien movie you know to actually have alien having the alien in it you know for once <laughs> as opposed to what prometheus was yeah but i i think prometheus really set out to be something outside the alien franchise and the, the the decision to include it into the the alien canon was uh made during the production at least it it feels it feels that way so many yeah. things in the movie feel feel shoehorned in yeah it was just a very weird movie um and it, and it is it's almost like he wanted to make a movie that wasn't an alien movie but then he couldn't not make an alien movie and it just yeah. felt really strange But anyway, hopefully we can uh, just move move on from that with Alien Covenant and forget that Prometheus ever existed. I I don't know, man, because you know the the the, the premise of Covenant feels like uh, Prometheus too. We got Danny McBride in <laughs> something something like that. Yeah, we just have to see what what they can come up with. I mean, <laughs> what what comes out of on the back end? <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. And then so the other big trailers dropping this week was uh, the, the Justice League trailer. It's the first, I think, official. Well, they've released so much already, but this is the first official trailer, right? Yeah. What was your what was your impression when you saw it? Uh, it looks miles better than anything DC has put out since they tried to uh, find a foot in the in the movie market with their mm -hmm. characters. But as awesome as everything looks, I'm still not convinced that the end product will be a coherent. Uh, a coherent thing. I mean, it looks uh, the, the 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 small interactions between Aquaman and Batman on the on the Batmobile, and and such stuff. And Commissioner Gordon referencing that Batman seems to uh, open up to other people a bit more. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun. But I wish uh, we would have gotten a a look at uh, Steppenwolf, for for example. Mm -hmm. You know, and not just uh, parademons and uh, some characters that we've already seen. And I think that Cyborg's uh, CG still looks uh, not not weak, but odd. Yeah, Cyborg, I'm not convinced on. Um, I think the character, the, the the whole design doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, I think they really shortchanged the Cyborg character by having a character that, you know, You think about it in terms of like, if you want to dress up for Halloween, if you want to go out with your friends <laughs> as the Justice League, like no one's going to want to be Cyborg. It's just such a stupid costume. You know, they they could have made it cool. Like they could have done some really cool stuff with this with the cybernetics, but they covered like ninety eight percent of him. He's only got like half his face showing or something. Like it's a really odd kind of um, costume. Like I don't think it looks good and i don't know how how it's going to show on screen but hopefully with the animated version of it when you see it moving and in, in action like you said it doesn't look as weak as it is looking in trailers yeah and, and the he covers up the human half of his face at one point and flies off and i yeah. thought that's you know that's that it evokes iron man to some degree why has yeah. he why must he come perhaps there's an explanation for that You know the the wind. And so what I was so what I was thinking, right, is that he's got this, and I don't know where um, he's got this battle between like the mother box cybernetic part of him, yeah. and the human part of him. And when he has the face mask on, that's when he actually allows the mother box or whatever it is to take over. So he's not in control. But isn't that Black Beetle, like or Blue Beetle actually? That's effectively the Blue Beetle storyline. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Effectively, yeah. So I think Blue Beetle would have been a much cooler character to put in the show rather than Cyborg, you know? Blue Beetle would I think have been Blue amazing. I want to, like, Blue Beetle in the Young Justice TV show uh, in the fights against Black Beetle and stuff are just so cool. Yeah. And the potential of that character as well and the internal struggle of the character is so well done in the Young Justice TV show. They could have really... Hopefully they don't steal that. Well, well, so it's like a double-edged sword. Hopefully they give Cyborg some sort of character development, even if it is the Blue Beetle one, uh, with that internal struggle between the humanity and the and the robot part of him. Yeah. But then that's also you know that's going to steal it from Blue Beetle, who's that's a part of his character, you know. Uh, but he would have fit much better in this, and we had a, a chance to shoehorn Ted Cord in it. The Blue Beetle before Jaime, Jaime Reyes. 
Mm-hmm. That would be would have been amazing. You know, I t- I think yeah. Ted Cord. <laughs> I think Blue. I mean, yeah. I think to me, the the attraction of Cyborg was always that he was a comedian with Garfield, right? The uh, I forgot his character uh, name. Um, um, Beast Boy. Beast Boy. Yeah. Beast Boy. Yeah, they were the comedy duo. And I mean, that's what Teen Titans and all those other shows like really played on. Whereas here, he just, they all look so serious, first of all. Yeah. Uh, ex- except I think they've given the comedy duo thing to, to Aquaman and the Flash. Like, I, I really hope Aquaman and the Flash, they just look cool. They're, they're, they're the two standouts for me. Aquaman just looks so awesome. Um, especially that scene at the end of the trailer when he comes in, he's like, dressed like a bat. I dig it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just. That's really cool. And it's cool to see Jason Mo- Moema sort of do something that's not just like a gruff, um, but, you know, Conan, the, the barbarian Carl Drogo type character. So yeah. that's really cool. Um, and I, I really want to see him bring out like the regal aspects of Aquaman because he is the king of Atlantis, right? So it'll be interesting to see how he does that. Um, and the Flash looks really cool as well. Like um, just they show a couple of scenes and how they've differentiated it from the TV show where he's got these kind of like, um, I don't know how to describe it. They're almost like, um, like yoga poses as, as he's like dodging bullets and stuff, you know? So it's cool. And, um, even the way he like kind of moves really fast and you just kind of see him like zip around to the next position, but you, you know, they, they don't show you him running in slow motion like they do in the TV show. Yeah. Um, so that, that part's realized pretty well. And even the kind of the lightning effects that he's got as well. It's blue lightning. Yeah. Instead of, uh, instead of yellow lightning, I think that's, that's cool too. But the, the suit, um, is, is strange, but then if, if somebody can move it, it feels uh, to me, it's, it seems like is it distorts his proportions. He looks so, so alien, so far removed from, resembling uh, a human a human being but then you know if you could uh move move at uh how, how did i read it today pseudoscience shit levels of speed if you can move <laughs> that fast uh you probably contort yourself in in un- unknown positions yeah well that was that's the function of the suit really isn't it it's that it it kind of won't burn away <laughs> as he's moving that fast so it's actually designed to enable him to move fast and not just burn all the clothes off him you know what <laughs> that trailer gave me at least it gave me hope yeah that this could be a turnaround point yeah i mean i i think in terms of like structure and storytelling it's not going to be as bad as suicide squad which was just a scrambled egg mess but it is still at the end of the day it's still joss whedon making this movie so i think at the very at the very least you know at the in terms of like expectation setting um it's going to be like batman v superman or even man of steel you know like that's kind of the average that we have to aim for and hope it's just above that at least a little bit and um you know a uh, quick, quick correct. You mentioned Joss Whedon. Uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, Zack Snyder. Did I say Joss Whedon? Yeah, because <laughs> I got really excited there for a moment because I thought, "What? What did they did they change the director <laughs> last minute?" <laughs> no, I definitely meant Zack Snyder. Joss Whedon's awesome. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a second. You won't. Maybe because I've I've got the I've got the show notes in front of me. Right? So <laughs> right. It's just it's Joss Whedon's name. It's like front and center. Um, Cool. All right. So yeah, so Justice League looks good. We're excited. Just, you know, I think yeah. um, 
there's some good stuff to look forward to, and I, I, I hope, I hope it finally can redeem itself for us. Wonder Woman continues to look awesome. So I'm just yep. again, we're getting to the stage where that's almost upon us, right? Uh, is that June? June, yes. And it's good that they don't show us uh, new new things in the trailer. You know, Lego spoiled Ares uh, via via mm-hmm. a, a Lego set that is going to to be released soon. But I'm I'm glad that the trailers focus on 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 the things that are established and and have been seen, and we don't get too much new things. And we are going to uh, be surprised at the cinema. If if yeah. some other things happen, some other characters show up, some of the yeah, and I think actors. it's going to be it's uh, hopefully it's a um, it's a vindication of the Warner Brothers approach, which is to get like auteur storytellers and filmmakers to make their movies rather than having it all controlled like Marvel does. Yeah. And Patty Jenkins, you know, in directing Wonder Woman, hopefully hopefully can actually bring a different perspective and like tell, hopefully, you know, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, tell a really good story about the Wonder Woman character. Um, and so far, it's very promising that in the trailers, that's what we're seeing. You know, it's it looks like um, it's going to be different to the other movies, which is good. It's going to be its own thing. Um, and the perspective from a female director on a female hero like this, which is such a symbol, um, I'm really looking forward to see what what they do with it. Yeah, it definitely looks more confident than than Justice League at this point. Yeah, and so and like so much, I don't know that just those early scenes on Themyscira just look so bright and sumptuous. You know, they just yeah something awesome. we haven't seen from a DC movie yet. Yeah, exactly. Like it's all they're all sh- <laughs> it's all shot in the dark. It's a great <laughs> line. Uh, I, I I can't tell you. Um, I watched Boss Baby last night, um, and there's a great line in th- there's a great line in there from um, a wizard character. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> if you, if, I mean, Boss Baby is an okay. I actually, I, I went in with like really low expectations. So this is a random Boss Baby review. I went in with really low expectations, um, but I think, um, and I, sorry, so. I also heard somebody else at work told us that um, it's not really a movie made for adults, like, you know, like Shrek and stuff. Yeah. And while that is true to an extent, I, I felt that a lot of the jokes were very much like 30 Rock and uh, like Mad Men style jokes, like about working in an office and that, that sort of thing. And I don't know how kids would actually get a lot of those jokes. So I thought I thought it was quite funny. Like, I quite enjoyed it. It wasn't like a brilliant movie or anything, but it was definitely enjoyable. Okay. Because we we, um, we choked at yeah. work yesterday about it. Colic had his son with us, with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the uh, one guy at the show in a suit uh, looked like Boss Baby. And we we made impressions of him <laughs> if he had uh, the proportions of a of a baby and acted in the show that was happening on stage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my review of Boss Baby. <laughs> 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 yeah. Right. pseudo review alright cool so um, two more trailers that we wanted to talk about so the next one was Spider-Man Homecoming so that was that dropped what that was like last week yeah on Thursday I think so Thursday yeah so um, what do you think I'll let you go first Uh, I I have no idea how to react because you know it, it won't be an origin story and it feels it feels good. Um, 
for for an actor that said he doesn't want to have uh, want to act in any of those genre movies, Michael Keaton puts in a a good performance. You know these yeah. these short scenes that we've seen. He he feels like uh like an evil Tony Stark, to yeah, to a certain degree. And uh, Tom Holland uh, looks okay. Is an is an understatement. I I think finally we got we got a a, a decent Spider Man actor and a a, a contentious look. <laughs> Go on. Uh, yeah, not not about Tom Holland being Spider Man, but the fact that we now finally have a decent actor. <laughs> no, uh, so I'm a massive Andrew Garfield fan. Really, but I didn't like Andrew Garfield this Spider-Man. No, but anyway, it was <laughs> asshole Peter Parker, and then nothing more. Uh, but yeah. that's not. I guess that's not uh, not Tom Holland's fault. Yeah, it's not Tom Holland's fault because the actor's name you just mentioned escaped me. Um, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Uh, it wasn't uh, Andrew Garfield's fault. Uh, it's probably probably a script fault. But I didn't like those movies. Amazing Spider-Man and and uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two weren't, weren't good. And uh, Tom Holland mm-hmm. brings this. Um, uh, he brings out this vulnerable, uh, unsure Peter Parker side. That that. Yeah. Uh, that were there in the Tobey Maguire thing. But I, I don't know, Tobey Maguire was only really good in the second Spider-Man movie and the first and the third did not, uh, didn't really connect with me. Thought the, the mm-hmm. second one is still one of my favorite superhero movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited to see Spider-Man come home. Yeah. I mean, so just on the actors, like just on the cast, I think Michael Keaton looks really cool. I'm really excited. Um, and like you said, like for <laughs> the irony of like he was in Birdman complaining about having played a, like a washed up superhero character and he's like, I'm never getting in that suit again. And now he's literally playing a Birdman in this, <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. It's um, it's just, you know, karma's a bitch sometimes, I guess. <laughs> Michael Keaton's probably just loving the irony, hopefully. Um, but he looks great. Like he looks great. Um, the scenes and the way he's playing the character looks really awesome. Uh, and what I've heard is he's he's actually playing, he's playing a, effectively like a, a small business owner yeah. who was, um, uh, who had a, what was it? Like a, um, uh, like they would clean up after all of the superhero battles and stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, damage control. Damage control. Yep. There's, there's a word like that vultures do that. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's playing a character called the vulture. And that type of business, I can't uh, remember um, the words escaping. on carcasses, yeah. What do all <laughs> yes. this do? Um, scavenging? Scavenging, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so he's effectively playing a scavenger, I guess, after um, after all these big battles. And he finds all of that technology, and that's how he ends up building the suit that he has, effectively, which is the vulture suit. So he is kind of like a Tony Stark. It's just he's, you know, he's kind of reclaiming all of this tech- technology that's been left over, like alien tech and whatever. Um and that suit just looks amazing. Like those wings, that they're, they're like um, prehensile. You know, they're, they're, they're like they can, he can use them as fingers. He can use them to lift things up. He can, you know, it looks, um, it looks like it's even more than what the Iron Man suit can do. So <laughs> it looks pretty cool. Um, and just, and so what ends up happening, obviously, is that Tony Stark's um, company, so it's almost like this big corporate entity starts gobbling up all these smaller companies and that's that's his motivation and what sort of where where he starts fighting back against the big bad corporate stock empire yeah, um i hope that they uh they bring out the mm, the human side of that that story you know 
I mean, at the end of the day, the Vulture is the bad guy, but did he really act out of uh, sheer, sheer badness? Or is it just his quest to survive in a dog-eat-dog world? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good story to... It's a good story and a good um, question to ask in the current, I guess, economic climate, right? Um, to explore those ideas in the context of a superhero movie would be quite interesting. And at the end of the day, I mean, there's a right way of doing things and uh, That's a wrong way potentially evil and psychopathic way of doing things. <laughs> so, so you could still have that discussion, even if your character is a psychopath, you know, because <laughs> um, it's quite interesting. It's a quite interesting setup, because if you think about like even go back to Amazing Spider-Man 2 with um, Electro, the setup and the character of Electro was just done so badly. Um, his motivation for being and stuff like that. Like it just was kind of a caricature. Whereas hopefully here, um, like you said, they can actually explore some of those themes and do it in the context of this movie. Yeah, especially you since... Know, being a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, and especially since they can use uh, characters like, like Tony Stark and stuff, uh, you can really broaden the horizon of of that story. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, you've got Tony Stark on one side who's also got his own way of trying to do good, but it seems to, you know, his his way is a, um, could be kind of heavy handed when you come of that, you know, big corporate entities just, you know, eating all the, all the little guys. Um, and then you've got a little guy who's fighting back yeah. against that. Yeah. And Spider-Man's effectively caught in the middle, especially since in the Avengers, not, not, was it Avengers? In, in Civil War, um, he effectively said, you know, when, um, when Peter Parker and Tony Stark are having the conversation in his bedroom and he asks him, why are you doing it? He's all like, it's about standing up for the little guy. Yeah. You know, so how, how does that play out when you've got the big corporate stock like enterprise, you know, totally ruining <laughs> the company prospects for the little guy who is the vulture in this case? Quite, yeah. quite, um, quite interesting. I don't know whether they're going to go down that route, obviously, but it'll, it, it's, it's quite interesting just to see what they, what they do with that. You know, at least, at least acknowledge it. I think that is, uh, that's the thing to do. Acknowledge the idea and, and plant the seeds for people to, to think further than, than, yeah. than what they've seen. I think that's, that's enough because we are going to the cinema to watch Spider-Man to be entertained. No, I go for heavy intellectual stimulation. What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, you're, you're, I'm going you're, to borrow that you're line right. <laughs> from the art because of the intellectual stimulation that I experience every time I watch those movies. Especially Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me scratch my head to understand what the hell is going on. So there's another awesome line in the Spider-Man trailer, which I really cool, which I wish I thought was really cool. When Tony Stark tells him, I'm taking the suit away from you. And he's like, I'm nothing without the suit. And Tony Stark's like, well, and that's why you shouldn't have it. If you're nothing without the suit, that's why you shouldn't have it. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, that's a cool line. Like that was, that is one of those things that, you know, like you said, you just want to sow the seeds in there because the implications of that and like kind of the, the I guess the philosophy behind it and like kind of, it's almost like a proto with great power comes great responsibility. Like Tony Stark's, you know, he's going to end up telling Telling Peter Parker that line, it sounds like, yeah. like, I don't know, like, like Uncle Ben's gone. So Tony Stark's now going to replace Uncle Ben as that f um, mentor type figure and like sort of sets him on that path. And we see him act in, in a, or, or, or perform in a, in a homemade costume. Yeah. Well, that was actually, <clears throat> to your point, I mean, 
the trailer gave away the whole story of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so if you watch the trailer, like almost in synchronous serial order, it tells you exactly how the whole movie is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is bad, but I guess it does set a good expectation for what you're about to see, I guess. But perhaps they, they all flip the tables on us on, on, on some things, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Well, true. Let's see how smart they are. We haven't seen the the after credit scene yet. The only reason I'm going in to watch this movie is to watch the after credit scene. I love it. I'm showing up. I'm 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 showing up an hour and a half late just so I can just so I can sit through the. <laughs> yeah, but no, it looks it looks cool. It looks um, it looks very very promising so far. And the release date for Spider-Man: Homecoming is um, July, I think. That's in July. Yeah. Okay. I think it's not that far away. Oh my okay. god! So it's still a while away, but that's good. But yeah, I'm very very positive about it. And then the trailer that you haven't watched, but uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so Stephen King's It came out last uh, last last week as well, and very cool. I mean, the trailer is it's freaky, it's freaky and bordering on scary in some bits. And I think I'm going to go another like twenty years without having a love for clowns after this. Movie. <laughs> You just you just quit your therapy therapy and you can't go to yeah I know like, I just I just paid off the last of my therapy bills and now I've got to go in again <laughs> so yeah I really don't like clowns after seeing the first Stephen King's It which was in the nineties they had a two part uh, TV movie I think yeah um yeah which is what I'm referring to I haven't read the book but you know that sh- um the the two part TV movie that they made was just ridiculous and scared me off clowns forever. <laughs> So this is this is this is going to be like watching this movie is going to be like confronting my fears. Therapy in itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be like exposure therapy. So I'm going to have to watch the trailer like a whole bunch of times and then go watch the movie just so just so I can see if I can sit through it. Yeah, I'm re- I'm really looking for uh, looking for I'm more looking forward to the reviews because it's I think it's the first time that we get the remake of a uh, of a Stephen King uh, movie. And oh, really? I, I think so. I think they haven't remade uh, uh, anything. They remade all. Carrie, didn't they? Did they? I don't know if they uh, remade it, but um, I'm not there, sure. There was a there was a Carrie. At least maybe it could have been a sequel. I'm not sure. But anyway, this is the yeah. first. Ma- I mean, this is his most famous material, yeah. though. Like it is like the defining. St- like if you if you only read one Stephen King book uh, or watch one Stephen King story, I guess it's it and like maybe The Shining would would be the other one. Yeah. But then we have the the Dark Tower, the fir- hopefully the first movie if it's good uh, coming out later this year, and I'm looking forward to that as well because I I like the books. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. They, they were not not amazing. I don't think it's his his best work, but it stays con- consistently consistently good, and you really feel like it's it's not a story, or or, or rather it's it feels very personal. Like you, you sit right. down with Stephen King and have a have a talk, especially oh, after wow. after the after his accident, after his car accident, which he works into the into the story as well. He, he appears as a character later in the book, and yeah, it's great. Right. I, I I liked it a, a, a lot. I still I still like it a lot. I, I take out is it book five, Wolves of the Color. I reread this one uh, this book almost every every two years since I I, I first read oh, it. Oh seriously? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I I dig the setting. I dig the whole uh, the macho cowboy thing that that's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. All right, I've not actually read any of the Dark Tower series. 
But it sounds like that's quite a quite a big recommendation from your side. Yeah, I'll have to put it on the list. It's also a big commitment. It's like eight or nine books, and yeah, I understand. Uh, why, uh, I understand people who are who are jumping off. I think it's the third book because I struggled with with that one, and uh, yeah. most of the people who I know who started reading the book jumped off uh, after after the third one or, or in in the third one. And it, it took me well, three years. To get through all the books, I started reading it in 2005. Well, since I've started doing audiobooks, I'm just tearing through books. So let's see. <laughs> But that's a good, yeah, that's a good recommendation. Go do the audiobook. I started to do audiobooks as well, and it's it really is a time saver. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do it on your drive or your commute into work, yeah. and uh, it you know makes that time pr very productive. So it's great. All right, yeah. Audible should sponsor us. We, we could ask, we could ask them. <laughs> Nicely, yeah. We, we, yeah, we could. We should. We should start doing like an audible review every episode. Yes, sneak one in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. So those are the trailers. Um, I think we covered everything that we want to talk about with the trailers. I think that's good. So we had a couple of other movie topics then. So uh, we didn't do a Logan review previously. So to do a quick re review of Logan yeah. now. Let's let's talk about Logan. So how do you want to start? You know, there there are so many high points and. Which is amazing for a for a Wolverine solo movie that it came out good. I mean, it's yeah, that <laughs> it came out good. Yeah. The, big, the biggest surprise was that it was actually good. Yeah, uh, you you know, I I I really I really to I I managed to keep my expectations low for Logan, and I'm 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 really surprised that it ended up being it really ended up being the swan song for for this character. And it's sad that it took two movies to get to get to this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm around the same. I think if it had to end, this was the best ending. So this is obviously going to be a spoiler, a spoiler review. <laughs> so yeah. if you haven't seen Logan yet, um, forward by about 10 minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we knew it was going to be Wolverine's last, not sorry, Wolverine's, but Hugh Jackman's last movie. And it's funny, effectively, Wolverine and Hugh Jackman are interchangeable at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and almost the same for for Professor Xavier and Patrick Stewart as well. Like they, they both said that they weren't coming back after this one. And as an ending, like I thought for those characters um, and the portrayals of Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart of those characters, it's just brilliant. I really hope, you know, Patrick Stewart gets a best supporting actor nomination out of his performance in, um, in Logan. because he was just, he was just fantastic. Yeah. There was a, a brave thing to do to really show not only an, an old mutant with, with or an old person with so much power but in general a person that we uh, that we followed from from its from his beginnings with the with the x-men but not with yeah. with patrick stewart but but uh the character with whoever played him in the in the in the reboot movies uh and and go to uh, to end up as a as a, a person suffering from uh, is it dementia yeah Yeah, I mean, it's some some sort of dementia, yeah, or like just sort of like aging, yeah, and, and, and carrying carrying this burden. I mean, the the, the scene where where Wolverine uh, helps him uh, onto the toilet in the at the gas station. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's such a, a a human a human scene, and it, it shows the the bond between the characters. You know how much they yeah. they went uh, through together, and how much they are they are codependent because. 
Logan, Logan needs Xavier as as well to to function in this world to have have a purpose. Yeah, and it's effectively the story of like taking care of an aging parent. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, and I think that's what makes it so good is that despite the fact that these are super powered beings <laughs> or mutants in this case, at the end of the day, it was a very human story. Like you said, it was it was something that was utterly relatable, um, no matter where you are in the world. You know, and I think. Um, taking care of an agent of an aging parent aging yourself you know when when you're in your 20s <laughs> you don't really think about that too much you know because you kind of still ha have that invincible feeling but like as you start getting aches and pains and you sort of see that scene with wolverine on the bed trying to get his arth arthritic claw out like the, the the last blade that won't fully retract or won't fully extend you really feel it like it's 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 done really well yeah. steven and merchant it's escaliban such a painful you know uh, a mutant that didn't get the the glory the glorious powers so to say yeah uh, and his, his performance is is amazing he's such a tortured performance i, I felt i felt yeah. sad for him <laughs> i mean he died yeah, gloriously <laughs> well he died with honor i guess if you can say anything uh But yeah, I think um, Caliban, the, the use of Caliban was interesting. Yeah. Uh, especially since Caliban also showed up in Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. wait, that's like, is that the same person? He looked completely different. He's really, f and that was like, the, you know, half the point is that we've seen all these characters fighting all these crazy battles, fighting godlike bad guys, but this is them at their rawest and their most low, yeah. you know? Um, You see them really brought brought down, uh, and it's 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 sad, it's tragic. I mean, as well as the ending being sad, just the fact of what the world ended up being, like yeah. that's that's the saddest part. So, as an X Men fan and watching these movies for the last like 17 years now, the fact that the X Men lost the larger war, so everything that they fought for, and every yeah. battle against Magneto and Apocalypse and all the other, you know, fights that they've had along the way. At the end of the day, Xavier ends up killing them all and they don't actually beat the final um, plan that the bad guys had, which was to just eradicate mutants from the face of the earth, you know? So they lose that battle. They get killed by, by their, their own mentor and teacher. He himself is tortured both by that and just his own aging. And it's just, it's just like... Such a sad ending for these characters who were so impossibly invincible from for like the whole you know the last seventeen years to see them now was just really it was it was a really sad moment like overall this was like as bad as Manchester by the sea you know? <laughs> it's just it was it was tough like I know I actually know like uh fans of these movies and these characters who like cried uh, yeah perfectly at understandable. The, of the movie and what happens yeah uh it was crazy. Really cool, like really, really enjoyed it. I think they really like hit it, hit it out of the ballpark, as they say in America <laughs> with this one. And as you as you've mentioned, the the rawness of the characters, and then you have uh, the the young mutants, the new mutants, in in a way. And you know, those are those are at their best when they are raw, especially X twenty three. I I forgot her name. I mean, first of all, that kid is the one of the few kids in a movie that didn't bother me. Yeah, she was great. She was really cool. Their portrayal was was just awesome. I mean, the the, yeah. the daddy part was a bit 
yeah, over the top because she's basically a, clo- a clone. Yeah, and plus that was kind of like sort of kind of like hitting it in your face yeah. at that point. You're like, okay, we get it. You don't have to like make it so obvious. Like if you didn't say that line, we would have got it. You know. <laughs> It's like for the one person in the audience who's yeah. like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> we better make her say daddy. <laughs> but it was cool. And I, I think it was like really, um, it was really cool the way they put the movie together too. Like the story uh, was laid out in a way to really show those things. Like even Xavier staying with that family, yeah. Eric LaSalle's family, in any other version of the X-Men, somebody at some point, and Xavier himself would have said, we can't linger here because these people are in danger the longer we stay here. Yeah. You know? Like if Cyclops was there, you just know that's, you know, Scott Summers would have said that. You yeah, know? we have to move on. And even if Scott Summers had said that and it was a younger Xavier, if the younger Xavier had said, no, it's fine, we can stay, that would have, you would have almost felt like this is a more wiser person talking and they know something that you don't. Yeah. You know, it's kind of coming from a Gandalf type figure saying, no, it's fine, we we can stay, nothing's going to happen. And so you almost want to believe that when the Xavier in this version of the story says, no, it's fine, let's just stay. But he's not saying it from a point of wisdom or a, a, a point of knowing something. He's saying it effectively because he's being selfish at that stage. Yeah. And, you know, and that selfishness, obviously putting everyone in danger to give himself effectively, like he says, like the, the first time he's felt like he's been at home and felt in a place that's like, a home with like people you love for the first time in so long. So he, he, he wanted that. And it's almost like he maybe knew that he was going to die. I don't know that maybe that's beyond his power scope anyway, but yeah, but I think he also wanted to provide at least a, a small bit of, of normality for Logan and the next 23. Yeah. And you know, it was Eric LaSalle. Perhaps he has a bottle of soul glow from coming to America in the closet <laughs> so i saw you wrote that so what's going on there <laughs> yeah because we watched we watched a movie at work recently uh and then we watched logan and yeah afterwards you know we we talked about the movie and one of the co-workers said you know every time i saw eric lasalle i had the soul glow song in my head and it was exactly <laughs> the same thing that happened with me and I also thought uh, when when we witness him coming out uh, of the house after the uh, after young Wolverine slaughtered his family, uh, that was the first time in my life that I thought, p- would somebody please kill Eric LaSalle? Because after watching the gruesome murder of his family, I would feel bad for, for the movie to let him stay alive with the grief. Yeah. No, that was, that was brutal, yeah. that whole sequence. I mean, not only... You know, the, the, the way it was played out as well, you know, and it's, it's really interesting because I've been reading, um, I think I mentioned before, I was, I, I'm reading that book story on, on like how to write screenplays and a lot, a large part of, of writing and building character is about making your characters make decisions because it's through making decisions that the character actually reveals character. Um, and that scene where X-24 is walking down the steps and he's got, um, he's got the girl X twenty three sort of tied up inside that, um, that whatever that little I'm going to call it the X twenty three carry case because that's <laughs> kind of what it was like. Um, he's walking down the steps and Logan's at the bottom of the steps looking, just you know like looking at himself at X twenty four, which is his clone, walk past him holding the girl in tow, and so he has to make a decision. So Logan has to make a decision: Do I go after the girl or do I go upstairs to check on Xavier? 
And yeah. so he pauses in that moment. Like, so it, it was a fantastic scene because how they filmed it for like this younger version of, of Logan walking down the steps as an older version of Logan <laughs> watches on was just really cool. First of all, then he also has to make that decision. And in the decision, he chooses to go up to Xavier. So you can see where his priorities lie. You know, it's not with the girl. It's, it's, it's not with, um, with X-23. He goes after Xavier and his main concern through that whole scene while the family's getting slaughtered and the neighbors are getting slaughtered too. He's not concerned with them. He just needs to make sure Xavier knows that it wasn't him, you know, because like you said, for everything that they've been through and for um, just for the last 18 years of Wolverine uh, and Xavier's relationship, his main concern is just making sure that Xavier knows that it wasn't him. Yeah. That's just, it was just such a fantastically done scene. And I really, I really liked that. Up to this point, every time he has to decide whether to go for the girl or Xavier, he, he chooses Xavier. And it's, it, it's also so much in, in character with, with Wolverine. He may be selfish, but he also looks out for the people that matter to him. And in this, in this instance, it's Xavier. Well, he's got an incredible sense of loyalty, right? But then you see the photo of, of, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart hugging during the production on the on the porch of the house. It's just heartbreaking to see to see those two those two men together, and especially in that scene when it, it wasn't me. Yeah. It was hard hard to watch. So I mean, definitely, I'm gonna I'm waiting for like the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray release, and I'm buying it. I don't even have a Blu-ray player, but I need to buy that. Yeah, it's, like, it's one of those movies that I know that I'm just gonna love forever. So really cool. One of the best superhero movies. Ever and since we got and I think, hero movies. Well, I think, yeah, like hopefully, you know, they learn from that. I think Fox in trying to build its brand seems to be taking a lot more risks in that yeah. regard as well. I think going with a lower budget type of movie that have a, that has a lot more um, risks in terms of its storytelling. So Deadpool, for example, and now Logan in doing a really it's a drama really like it's a character driven drama rather than a superhero movie. Yeah. Hopefully we can get a lot more of that. And it's like the antithesis. It's like the opposite of um, what Zack Snyder is doing with his movies, you know? So Zack Snyder has these beautiful visuals that, and these iconic scenes that you can kind of screen, screen capture and blow up and like print them out and put them on your wall kind of moments, but that's all they are, yeah. you know? When you string them all together, it just it, it watches like a trailer because the story is just so all over the place. You don't know what's going on. And so. the production design was amazing as well because, yes, the movie plays in, in a future, but it's just the, the small changes. It feels more real because we have self-driving trucks and elaborate displays and some um, cyber enhancement enhancements. Yeah. But that, that's it. The rest looks uh, rather contemporary. And that's a yeah. more believable future. And, you know, don't want to go too deep in it, but given current politics and stuff, it is a possible, it, it feels like a possible future. Very, yeah. very bleak, but um, like it's looming on the horizon and it's it's not too, too over the top, shiny, shiny cities and dark slums. It just yeah. looks real. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not... It's not hyper real. It's not a highly stylized version of the future. It looks like it looks like it's just within grasp. Yeah. You know, it's just about to happen. All right. So from uh, from the depths and despair of Logan, 
which was awesome. Let's let's do a flip to the Thor Ragnarok picks that were released. I think it was was it Entertainment Weekly that those were. On? I think so. Yeah, those were amazing. Uh, uh, those were amazing. I'm looking forward to that movie. Um, it definitely looks. It looks like something out of the '80s. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm excited about. It looks like it's like Masters of the Universe level design yes. with like fluoro neon hypercolor t-shirts and stuff. Like it's just absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's makeup as the he's not the collector the grandmaster I think mm-hmm. he he looks amazing he, he looks so great and I'm I, I can't wait to see to see the the performance yeah <laughs> I mean the collector so the collector and the grandmaster are kind of related right so the collector yeah. we saw in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie he was the one that they go to try to give the orb to uh, that was played by uh, Benicio del Toro. Yeah, that's the one, Benicio del Toro. And the Grandmaster and the Collector are both elders of the universe, I think, in the in the in the in the Marvel universe. Yeah. So they're kind of related in that way. And so they've got a very similar kind of look about them too. So when we first saw Benicio del Toro as the collector, he kind of looked like, um, I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> you know? And um now that you see, I guess the his Peer, <laughs> who is the Grandmaster, uh, with Jeff Goldblum, you're like, okay, I, I, I can see the connection and this is just going to be like, this is going to be crazy. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> uh, he, he does look good and I, I, I pretty much like Jeff Goldblum in anything, so I'm looking forward to that. And then Thor. So the big thing with Thor is that, what is he? He's wielding two swords in this one. So he's lost the long hair. He's wielding two swords. So what happened to the hammer, Mjolnir? And his 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 armor and stuff it looks pretty cool. So it's it's obviously the uh, gladiatorial Planet Hulk style um, storyline that we're yeah. going to get here. Hella Kate Blanchett looks really cool. Yeah. I can't wait to see how 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 they pull um, Hella off with 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 all of her all her of her crazy uh, power set, but also that massive headdress that I can't wait for her to see wearing on screen. Yeah, and the thing is that those are only stills. When the whole thing is in movement and all the CG is added, I'm, I, I have no idea where this is going to end up. Yeah. And so this is being directed by, is it Taiko Watiti? Yeah. So I'm really looking, again, you know, we, we talked about bringing a different perspective into Wonder Woman from the, the director there. But I'm really looking forward to see what Taiko Watiti brings into Thor Ragnarok. You know, it's, it, it already looks so out of this world awesome. Um, that I can only imagine <laughs> what else we're going to see. So I can't wait for the first trailer of uh, of that one. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, bringing a new perspective to, to a franchise. It's like changing the changing the venue with, with Taika Waititi. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, and we're seeing, you know, in terms of the Marvel movies, it's really, I think, all, especially the, the, the cosmic ones, there's a lot going on to open new doors, to expand the color palette and the opportunities of that universe like dr strange really took things to like it it literally opened up another dimension to how the marvel universe works and then with the cosmic side of things so guardians of the galaxy and now thor ragnarok it looks like just the diversity and the um just the size of the universe is just getting bigger and bigger and that's that's really cool you know bringing bringing it bring in i mean i thought we see the 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 boldest move uh, with 
Kenneth Branagh directing the first Thor movie. Yeah. And now and now this, you know, and <laughs> and, and a new talent is is still developing. So I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward where Marvel, uh, if Marvel keeps the the bravery to make such decisions, and who else yeah. they're gonna gonna win over to work on the things. Because I we don't know if there's like how clear the plan is beyond phase three right so beyond the infinity war and it's almost like i think the infinity war and those um next two avengers movies are going to change the landscape so much that it's almost too early to even think about (laughs) yeah about what what that future is going to look like because so much of what they've built so far is going to go away like even from a business standpoint, you know that Iron Man, Captain America, all of their contracts are coming up, right? Uh, as well as their paychecks getting you know higher and higher each time they have to renegotiate. So, it, you know, we're going to get to the end of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We're going to get to the end of Chris Evans as Captain America. And so what's going to happen with those characters and those roles and who's going to take the spotlight? You know, Marvel is looking like it's it's not so much about the individual heroes, it's going to be more about the ensembles and the teams yeah. as we go forward. Because even now in like Thor Ragnarok, you're going to have the Hulk, you're going to have Doctor Strange. So it's already like a team-up movie that's happening there. And then we, we, all the Captain America movies, except for the first one, have been team-up team up team movies, movies as yeah. well. So it's going to be really interesting as we go forward to see how they kind of play those out. Because it's almost not going to be individual character stories. It's going to be like more the comic crossover storylines, like the big event storylines that we're used to seeing where you've got multiple characters working together so that that's going to be fun it's gonna be awesome yeah it's gonna be awesome but you you also think about like just as a general regular cinema goer if you're just joe average can you keep up with all this because at the end of the day you know that's the person they need to get in the cinema to watch the movie yeah because if it's just for comic book people there's just not enough comic book people no. to justify spending all that money. That's the risk. Like that's that's the game. So, yeah, I mean, we just have to wait and see what happens. But um, but it's interesting to think about. All right, so that's Thor Ragnarok, and now Indiana Jones five. Yeah. So what's happening here? I didn't actually read this article. So, uh, yeah, Disney agreed to do a new Indiana Jones movie, or they will continue the Indiana Jones franchise. And Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford is on board with it really yeah is he gonna is he gonna die in this one too i like, i don't know <laughs> is he finally coming back and he's like you know what i'm doing it one more time and then i need <laughs> to die so that i can't come back and they get, oh, this thing's never gonna stop haunting me <laughs> they get shia up off and you know the, the bridge is in the jungle and not at some yeah. some terminal <laughs> on a planet <laughs> uh, that last machete. indiana jones movie was just horrible yeah. really I was disappointed and I, I don't know how to feel about that because, you know, it, uh, Disney will probably um, try and rekindle the, the, the magic behind the first three Indiana Jones movies. But I think that franchise is, is dead. I've seen um, Raiders of the Lost Ark yesterday and you can't, you can't replicate that anymore. It, those movies, and it's, it's strange to say that those movies are from another time. You have to yeah. do something new. There, are, you know, the, there's Un- Uncharted out there, and there are talks about Uncharted movies. So why not? Why not make uh, Nathan Drake this generation's Indiana Jones? The guy has the chops. There is the story. Why do we have to 
keep the old man come out of the, uh, of retirement to show the the whippersnappers uh, <laughs> how it's done. Yeah. No, I fully agree with you. I think Indiana Jones is of a certain time in history. And like even the setting has to be that period of time where it was like you still had access to the Nazis. You still had access to the Cold War um, because that's that's the world that Indy existed in. Yeah. You know, the world now has changed. And I think people don't really relate to that as much anymore. Like the current generation, you think about the millennials out there. They don't have that as even like a pop culture reference, you know? And like how many of like kids these days are actually watching Indiana Jones movies? Whereas Nathan Drake has actually brought that type of movie and that genre into the current generation. Yeah. So you're right. They should be making Nathan Drake Nathan Drake movies. The problem is Disney doesn't own Nathan Drake. So that's why they've they they, they you know Indiana Jones is their is their brand. So the, the question is if they had to do it. Can they bring Indiana Jones or can they make a movie that's in the spirit of Indiana Jones, but for this generation, you know, and I think that that's where they need to play their, their cards with Indiana Jones. So I think Harrison Ford can come back, but only as I would say like a mentor figure. So it would be more like a cameo role and they would need to start setting up that successor as the key part of the movie. And I think that's why the last one failed because even though they were trying to set up Shia LaBeouf's character, uh, character as kind of the inheritor of the um, of the franchise. Nobody, we didn't care about that character. We didn't care about Shia LaBeouf, you know, because and even like Harrison Ford took such a central role in the story that it was almost like no one else can do this but me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so don't even bother about the kid because he's clearly useless. The movie would have worked better if it uh, if it wasn't an Indiana Jones movie. If they would have set up a completely new new character. Uh, a new new adventurer or or an 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 old adventurer and and his kid on the old adventurer's uh last last crusade so to say yeah and i think um that's effectively where it needs to be like i think if the, you know you start the story centr- centered on a new character on like the on the successor and you and you do and it's an origin story of the successor you yeah. know and in a Indiana Jones himself is actually kind of the more mentor Gandalf type figure for that person yeah, and helps that person take the franchise forward yeah, rather than, I don't know what that last movie was trying to do, but just clearly was did, did it wrong anyway. But <laughs> I was just one of those attempts with bringing um, the lady from, from Raiders of the Lost Ark back. Um, yeah. Whoever she okay, was. I can't, I, uh, I can't remember the name. I've seen the movie yesterday. This, Aging is oh, great, really? guys. Yeah. <laughs> See. You watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? No, 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 Raiders oh, of Raiders the Lost Ark. No, 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 one man. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we don't, we don't watch that. We don't even talk about it. Um, And yeah, I mean, anyway, so let's, let's not worry about it. Uh, Indie 5. <laughs> <laughs> let's, yeah, let's just see what, I don't know. Ho- hopefully they, they don't just mess it up. Like um, that, that new MacGyver series, uh, they tried to update it, but it's so corny. I watched the first episode and I haven't seen anything since. So since, I don't know yeah, whether it's actually improved over time, but I don't want them to do that. Like, I'm not saying do what they did with MacGyver. Um, but anyway. No, new name, new game. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. So let's end on a positive note with our movie news. And let's talk about the uh, 
the news that Joss Whedon's going to be doing a Batgirl movie. So is this confirmed or is this still just a rumor and there are negotiations? I think that's pretty much confirmed because they are scouting for uh, actresses to portray Barbara Gordon. Right. So I think there's a Batgirl thing at least in development and attaching Joss Whedon uh, might be the, the best decision that DC has made on the on the movie front in a in a while. Yeah. I mean, you know, going back to the discussion about Warner Brothers getting auteur di- directors, if they can <laughs> if they can give Joss Whedon latitude to really create something cool out of this character and out of this movie, I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I have so much of faith in Joss Whedon. Yeah, he will do he, he, he will do something something unique with it. I'm I'm sure of it. The yeah. only thing that bothers me a bit is that it's from from what I've read, it's gonna center on the not even the new fifty two version, but the rebirth version, the the Batgirl right. of Burnside. So I'm not I'm I'm not down with all of the details of the rebirth, but I mean l- let's explore it. L- let's go through it a little bit. So in the original story, <laughs> Barbara Gordon gets paralyzed by the Joker, right? Yes. So she's in a wheelchair. So she she is Batgirl. So her story is very cool in that she becomes Batgirl and Batman takes her on as Batgirl effectively. Like, so she becomes Batgirl under her own steam because she's like, I want to, I need to investigate some stuff and I need to do, you know, do my own thing. So she kind of co-ops the Batman brand and she creates herself as Batgirl and she goes out there and starts investigating and Batman finds out about it uh, and kind of lets her into the fold, right? Yeah. Is that how it goes down? That's how it goes down originally. Then the killing joke happens. And so yeah, so that's the that's the very famous killing joke storyline. Yeah, and then she gets better and gets back to being bad girl. I haven't read any ex- explanation to why she, she takes up the, the mantle of bad girl again after after the new 52 right but i mean so i mean are you uh so sorry i'm just going to interject are you trying not to give spoilers for the killing joke oh no i thought you know i thought if, if people <laughs> listen to 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 a podcast uh about comics they, they and and because of the it, it was a prominent topic last year with the animated version of she gets shot by the joker in the spine and, and ends up in a wheelchair acting as as the IT support Oracle. for yeah Oracle. She's more than just IT. Support. No, she's so. the, she's the heart of the team, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and she remains she remains a great character. I think in in the wheelchair because a lot of people say, well, shouldn't she have been uh, meandered out of the out of the out of the comics, out of the story uh, after yeah. that incident? And I think that that shows to her determination and and her place in the in the bad f- uh, family that she's. And it sounds stupid, even in this state, she is still a valuable member and a a, a pinnacle of the of the Bat family. Yeah. And I mean that is exactly what makes Barbara Gordon so so cool as a character, is that she goes through this traumatic experience in the killing joke. She gets paralyzed by the Joker, but she continues to fight. Yeah. You know, she even though she's in a wheelchair, she doesn't give up trying to fight. And she comes back as the Oracle and she effectively helps with um, command and control support for the Bat family. So when when like Nightwing and Batman and Robin are out in the field, she's the one that's kind of in their earpiece telling them what's what's going on and helping them get and infiltrate buildings. Yeah. And sort of do, do all of that sort of in, uh, in, information recon 
to aid them while they're out in the field. So she continues to have like a massive effect uh, and a massive contribution to the, to the team, like you're saying. So that's the character that's talking to you when you play like Arkham Knight and like all of the Arkham games, yes, you know, yeah. like Oracles. I forgot that she's in there. Yeah, so she's that's the voice that you're hearing. Um, and then DC went through its its thing where it just like resets its its entire universe every now and again. And then in uh, the New Fifty Two, they just randomly f- made her Batgirl again. Somehow found a cure for, for for paralysis. And a lot of people were upset about that because again, Barbara Gordon even as Oracle stood for something. Um, whereas when they sort of cut away that history for her and just put her back in the bat suit and just made her bat girl again i think they kind of erased that whole thing right i'm not sure as, as i've said I've, i'm so sorry to say that but it i it didn't really interest me and i mm-hmm. especially lost interest when the whole bat girl of burnside thing started when she moves into into the hipster part of of gotham city and right. I ju- okay. yeah i just heard a uh, story uh, i heard reviews from from other people that read it and uh, I thought, nah, that's that's not for me. I wish they, they would have put a a a new character or, or an established character. I mean, we have Spoiler. How's her name? Um, I forgot her name. Not Spoiler the Spoiler, but Spoiler uh, character. <laughs> like, the character's name was Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, she what? she's Robin's girlfriend and gets killed by Leslie Thompson in the oh. pre New Fifty Two continuity, but got revived and she's now on on the team that's in Detective Comics. Uh, oh, yeah. Which okay, this is this is going a, a little bit down yeah. the they, they should down have, the well, but which Robin? Uh, <laughs> I it? think it was not uh, Tim Drake. So the third one, not Jason Todd. Yeah. Well, going back to the Joss Whedon Batgirl thing, um, it'll be interesting to see which part of Barbara Gordon's story he uses because there's a lot of cool stuff that he could draw on. You know, all the pre-New 52 stuff, obviously. <laughs> and there are rumors that he's going for the, the Burnside thing. Mm-hmm. But she has a great costume there with the yellow Doc Martens and a, a purple a purple suit. Yeah. The costume looks amazing. Modern. Okay. Uh, a modern interpretation of of Batgirl and going um it really emphasizes on the uh self on the self-made vigilante, DIY vigilante theme yeah. with which the character started before she got she got into the Bat family. It'll be interesting to see like looking at the uh current uh costuming that we've got out of the Justice League and also Suicide Squad. There's a large range, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I think there's definitely space for uh, for her to have yellow Doc Martens. Especially because they're, they're also planning like Gotham City Sirens. So they're going to bring all the female characters together. I don't know where that's at in terms of its development, but it's at least... I don't know too. I haven't heard of it for a while. But it would, yeah. be, it would be great seeing uh, Huntress and Black Canary mm-hmm. together with Batgirl. It would be amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, they've also confused... The, those characters because there's also the tv versions of them but hopefully they can uh they can make their mark <laughs> on the big screen does anybody remember birds of prey no no a lot of people the are trying season. to forget they're they're hoping that a lot of other people forget but I, i've never seen it i have to be to be honest about it it was just one of those like like the catwoman movie with Harley oh, okay. Berry. you know it's one of those ones that's just like ah uh, they just that we don't have to we don't have to try very hard the people will come and then it was just awful you know <laughs> Um, but going going back to Joss Whedon, um, the other cool thing that I'm looking forward to with the Batgirl story is that the first Robin, Dick Grayson story, is also quite closely intertwined 
yeah. with the Batgirl story. So that also means it's potentially like a opportunity to get Nightwing and Robin on the scene as well and really start developing that extended Bat family. I haven't thought about that. That would be amazing. That would be great. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I, I've been waiting for Robin, I mean, for a long time, a good version of Robin, especially since they teased the Robin costume in the Batman v Superman. Was it the Batman v Superman movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, right? So uh, in the Bat Cave, as Ben Affleck's walking past, he's walking through the Bat Cave, there's an actual uh, Robin suit with bullet holes in it and scrawled on the suit is the joker's writing saying haha the joke's on you batman alluding to the jason todd story which is where the the joker kills the second robin yeah which if that is the suit of the second robin it means the first robin who's dick grayson is out there running around potentially as nightwing and the reason that dick grayson leaves batman and says i need to go out on my own or one of the main reasons anyway is because he was actually going out with slash in love with barbara gordon who becomes Batgirl, and Batman hid the fact from him that she was Batgirl. That would be an interesting story. Because Nightwing's whole thing was, or Robin's whole thing at the time, was that he didn't want her put in danger. And the fact that Batman had hidden that, effectively lied to him, and not revealed that she was actually um, Batgirl, is one of the reasons that he goes out on his own and becomes Nightwing. So he leaves, he leaves Batman... And he goes to Bloodhaven, which is a neighboring city, and he kind of tries, you know, starts leading his own life. Yeah, I mean, just how they sort of fold all those things in, a lot of potential, a lot of opportunity. Because and you know, Joss Whedon can do really cool things with that. I mean, he's the Buffy and Angel guy. You know, I mean, even the the dynamic of that relationship over Barbara Gordon wanting to make her own difference and be her own person versus Nightwing, who knows what that life's like and doesn't want her to be in it, yeah. you know, and how they play that out on screen is going to, you know, has the potential to be really awesome. And if they leave Joss Whedon to his own devices and not uh, interfere as much with his work as, as Marvel did, uh, I mean, we've, we've seen the, we have two Avengers movie to compare leaving him relatively <laughs> alone. alone and, you know, interfering with his process. I mean, we also have two Iron Man movies. Sure. So, yes, how that we, have a, uh, we have a comparison between leaving Joss Whedon alone to do what he wants and forcing him to put Thor in a hot tub <laughs> as he had to do in <laughs> Avengers 2. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully he's, he's, uh, he's learnt <laughs> from those experiences. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as a writer, as, a, um, as being able to build character and also make it funny, smart, and uh, resonant with human stories, uh, I'm quite excited with what's going to happen with Batgirl. Yeah. So... All right, so that's our t- that's our movies coverage. Uh, we still have TV to go, <laughs> so and so we're back to the to the X guys, the X bunch. Back to the X Men bunch. Yeah, so I mean, there's not a really lot going on here. All I know, so there's an X Men TV series that's in development, and the the biggest news really is that the show's got a title. Uh, so Lauren Shirley Donna tweeted out a photo of the cast doing a script read through. The, the show is titled Gifted, apparently, which is extremely high-level high information for an, X-Men, for an X-Men-related property. And it's a great title. Gifted is a, a great idea. Whoever came up with that should get a raise or an office. Um, are you being sarcastic? No, no, no. <laughs> no. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, uh, I was, no, really. Because I think it's because the X-Men story is about accepting others as they are mm-hmm. uh, and 
and then you call the show gifted and and not x-men which comes with the, the stigma of being of being chased of being of not being liked by the greater yeah. part of society and then calling it gifted um giving the whole thing a positive spin giving a positive spin on being a, a mutant mm-hmm. i think it's a great idea because the going back the first the first x-men movie gave us a established that that topic that mutants aren't very uh, beloved by society even the second one did that with uh, iceman's parents asking him uh, if he can't at least pretend to be normal yeah and, and so i think gifted is just it's a great title it's a positive title if it evokes a positive feeling in me it's not dark and and, and gritty i yeah it feels like a bright x-men show and i'm looking forward to it yellow spandex get- for the win <laughs> i get what you're saying i think just to your point as well with the, the the connotations of the title if you called it x-men as well as being like dark and bringing all those feelings of being pursued stigmatized and outcasted it also puts the focus on the team whereas gifted puts the focus on the individual i feel so hopefully this is going to be a show that's more about the characters and not so much about what the characters have to do as a team, you know? Because that's where the X-Men movies failed to a large part. It's, there were so many characters, there were so many things that um, the X-Men needed to achieve that character development really suffered. Yeah. Aside from Wolverine, like aside from Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, all the other characters were really bland and kind of, I mean, not forgettable, but at the same time, forgettable, you know? Like you their powers stood out and their costumes and their uniforms stood out but like you really didn't get a sense of you knew who cyclops was or you knew who gene gray was um iceman because of that of those scenes uh, where he goes back home and stuff maybe you feel a bit sort of closer to him in terms of who he is as a character but all the others they're just kind of really bleh which was disappointing that hopefully with the tv series again they're going to have more time to explore the characters that they can really spend more time focusing on character development and telling character stories rather than uh, only focusing on, well, we need to make sure we hit these action beats yeah. <laughs> for the plot. You know? yeah. And I think a great example of that is Legion, like really underrated show right now on TV. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So we, we're going to sort of uh, segue into Legion now. So great, se- great segue, an amazing segue, because I wanted yeah. to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you haven't seen the season final, right? So no, you've I seen everything seen against yet. the season final. Okay, so we're not going to spoil the season final, but we may spoil everything leading up to the season final. <laughs> so, um, what are you thinking about Legion? Like, you're, are you enjoying it? Legion is amazing because it's such a great exercise in restraint and in going all out. Because if you if you reduce the whole show to settings, you have like ten settings. Yeah. It's it's almost like a play. Yeah. Like, you know? It's uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an economically made thing. And so much is reused, but still feels fresh. And it's, for despite all the flaws that people have with it, it's such an elaborate piece of storytelling, which does so much with so little. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. It's like really pushing the boundaries of what you can do. Like you said, with not just the settings, but like, a small group of people on yeah. a small group of locations. It's like Inception. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like Inception, but instead of like a dream within a dream, it's kind of like reality within reality. <laughs> and, and, it's, and they do that at, at one point as well. Like they, they go into um, his memories and he's having a memory inside a memory 
And just the way they show that on the screen is just so cool. Yeah, because it's clearly communicated. You don't get lost. It's such a um, it's such a complex topic, especially with with mental illness. So you could have put yeah. uh, abstract imagery in there and, and fill the, the the thing up with just weird weird images. Yeah, it's not just cheap shots like that. Like no. I, I I don't think they use any kind of like stock footage just for for shits and giggles no. or for like cheap cheap thrills. You know, like um. Like you watch some B horror movies and they just they they do that thing where they put in a large sound or like a a character coming in from the left, but it's not really supposed to be like the the monster. It's just yeah. another character, but they just wanted to scare you because they could. But Legion doesn't do that. Like like you said, it's very restrained with the way it uses its um its creepiness and its scariness. But every time it does use it, it's really effective. Yeah, and just the small things when the psychiatrist stands up to open the closet. In like episode four or five. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh my god. I thought, don't <laughs> I was open freaking the, out. Yeah. Don't open the fucking closet. The the baldy man is in there and he will eat you alive. Well that's the thing. It's like what's awesome is that at the start you don't know what it is. And it's it's almost like Hitchcockian in the sense of it's all about the stuff you don't see and it's all about the anticipation of what may happen that you're scared of. Because you don't actually see as you called him the Baldy Man, for a long for a long time. Like you don't see him in full and what what he's not so much capable of, but like what he is. I mean for a long time. But then all the pieces come together, I think, really well. Like it's just it's just such a well executed show in that sense. Uh and that storytelling is just so cool. And it's also great to watch. Like the production quality of it, I thought it's the a, design, the costuming, the color palette. Are- the shots, yeah, it's just great. Every episode felt like watching a movie, but it's a TV production. Yeah. That blows my mind. <laughs> and what's great, so Legion is a character, so he's he's effectively like multiple personality. So he's it's the first episode set in a um set in a mental hospital. And he's in there for like paranoid schizophrenia, I believe, right? If I'm remembering the details so, yeah. correctly. So he's got this multiple personality thing happening. Uh, as a part of the show and when you watch the beauty and the beast movie um, <laughs> at the end when the beast is transferred back into a man it's actually dan stevens who plays legion yeah. um so as i was watching beauty and the beast and then dan stevens shows up i'm like oh my god this whole beauty and the beast was just a paranoid delusion inside legion's mind yeah. <laughs> so if you you could watch you could watch the whole of you get pieces I joked on Instagram with uh no but wait who's listening mm-hmm. to the show hi hi no but wait shout out to <laughs> to this amazing person uh and we joked about the uh, the person he plays in Downton Abbey being one of the of his uh, multiple personalities <laughs> All right there you go <laughs> L- I think everything Everything that Dan Stevens plays from now on is just <laughs> another personality inside inside Legion. Legion it would be amazing. Uh, there we go. That that's like uh, well, I guess those are those are all multiple uh, studios making all those things, so they can't do like a massive multi a um, cinematic universe out of it. But that's what fans are for. We can edit yeah. the whole shit together and make our own. We got our own head cannon for uh, for Legion. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you've got a note here for the Bill Owen story. Yeah. So what was that? Okay, I I realized that Bill Irvin is playing um, the scientist character. I forgot his name. And Bill Irvin was... Carrie? I'm sorry? Carrie? Yeah, yeah. And he was uh, in the the 90s on tour with a 
a comedy show and for some reason I really wanted to watch that show. And my grandmother agreed to, to go with me. It was called uh, Full Moon. And the first time we arrived at the theater, the, the fire department didn't give their okay for, for the performance on that evening because of technical issues. And oh. we exchanged our cards and left the theater. And I was like 11 years old. I, I was very young and my, my English was even worse than it is now. And suddenly a group of people rocks up behind us apologizes for for the inconvenience and asked if we if we got new tickets and mm -hmm. uh, wished us a nice evening and bid their farewell and then I looked at the at the the, the program that that my my dad bought for me and said damn there was Bill Irving apologizing for not being able to perform on stage and wow. I ran I ran after him and and got an autograph and I still have the I still have the The program and it's you know it's extra special to see him on 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 screen because he was such a nice person that's cool the the, the performer that was really coming up that was really nice of them a, a, as well to come out and sort of see the audience yeah. and say sorry yeah it was an amazing amazing thing so i i have a soft spot in my heart for that person and it really hurt me to see him beat up after his second personality got captured Just one. Yeah. If Bill Irving listens to the show, you're the best. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I really felt that. I think when, when those characters specifically, like um, Carrie and Carrie, I think they were both called yeah, Carrie. I think, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Now. But um, that was, it was brutal. Like some of those, some of those fight sequences um, and just the level, of, <laughs> the level of damage the characters take. Yeah, it comes across as painful. And I got to say, shout out to the makeup effects because they really make it look painful on them yeah. as well. So that was great. And especially when they are in the, in the, mental, mental, in the mental image of the mental institution, institution in the, <laughs> in the yeah. later episodes. The, the way they, uh, yeah, they interact yeah. with each other, it's so... The, close, the closeness that their powers enable them to feel is portrayed yeah. in, in, in such a great way with him knocking before he, he falls asleep. Yeah. So many good things. Watch Legion. Go out there, watch Legion. Yeah. Don't I mean, stop Legion, that podcast. I, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> watch it afterwards. <laughs> I, I, I think Legion is like, it, it's up there. It's one of the, 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 the coolest shows in TV. Like yeah. it's up there with like w w with Westworld and stuff. Like yeah. it's really good. So definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, and then switching now to Samurai Jack. So Jack is back. Jack is back. <laughs> All right. So um, you're super excited about this one. Right? Yeah. Like, like Legion, it's, it's a show that dares to be different because there's not much dialogue. A lot is, uh, a lot is communicated via the imagery. And, you know, the, the whole team is embracing new technology. If you watch the old Samurai Jack episodes, which I... I haven't seen if I have seen like the the first season and parts of the of the second season, but I'm rewatching it. But these almost uh, silent plays are, are being continued in in this in the in the fifth season, and it's such an it's such an ad adult show that feasts of that uses your memory of of old animation and of old shows and of of a lot of tropes that we were all raised on to to communicate new things it's a, right. a, a great show it's astonishing that they brought it back and that they are going they're going all out with the with the fifth season 
each each episode so far has been uh, a joy a joy to watch. It's a a testament to Jandy Tartarovsky and everybody uh, Tartakovsky to the to the guy making it and uh to to the whole team. It's it's a good time to watch television. 2017 is a good time to watch television. Yeah. So wh- wh- I don't I- I've never actually seen Samurai Jack. So what's the what's the premise of the show? There's a demon called Aku who's got stopped uh in in taking over the world by Jack's father with a, a magic sword and he comes back and Jack's father sends his mother and him off to a journey uh through the world where he learns uh he learns sword fighting, philosophy, and so on, and he comes back the the ultimate warrior and almost right. bests uh, Aku, but he casts him off into a into the future, where he has overtaken Earth, and Jack's making his his journey back. And season five sees him as a an immortal being who uh, is, is is struggling with his his fate of being immortal and and being trapped in hell, leaving leaving his people to uh, to suffer under under Aku's rule and he's he's lost his his magic sword so he he doesn't stand there there's no second chance of 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 besting Aku and perhaps returning uh to the past and now he has he has to deal with the future and it's it's brutal it's it's like he's he's become this Clint Eastwood like character mm-hmm. and and the fact that there is there's very little dialogue even in the in the first episode, when he in the, in the first battle, when he rescues a mother and her daughter, they communicate by they have antennas on their head, and they just display the words they're thinking between those antennas. Seriously. So even even that chance of of communication gets. Is it set in the future? Like it's um, how do they not talk? Like <laughs> does everybody have antennas? Like no, 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 no. There, there, there are other aliens in this as well. There, there is like this, this, this. Uh, elephant creatures uh, in 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 the first season that have been um, they 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 they've become the slaves of what basically are alien alien comic collectors so to say and they okay. don't talk as well and, and it's it's an it's an amazing show it's that because the 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 gimmick of of it being a, a silent show and so many things are, are acted out non 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 verbally that that gimmick it it doesn't get old. It's 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 constantly not reinventing itself, but it shows you new things. It, it's a great it's a great series. I'm, I'm I'm glad it's back for a for a final season to give it to give it an ending and to also show that what's possible with with modern technology. Things have don't have to look like over the top. They can look like they've been made in the '90s and just received a a polishing. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, it's, All right. Well, you. Yeah. You've definitely got me intrigued, so oh. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go look it up. So yeah, like you said, I mean, 2017 is just so much on TV right now, just in general, right? It's, it's hard to keep up sometimes. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna go from one samurai to another, <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a Netflix the- original show called Samurai Gourmet. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the trailer for this, and it just looks. I don't know what to expect, but it's a. Uh, you can explain it. Okay. I don't even. There's, there's a bit of a story behind this as well. There's a show called Midnight Diner, which is also on Netflix, which is about a diner in Tokyo. And uh, the owner only uh, opens from midnight to 7 a.m. And it's, every episode is about one dish and characters associated, or patrons of the restaurant associated with that dish and how they interact with each other and how their lives are. 
and it's this it's a great comfort show it's it's amazing it's a very soothing show and so, when when i finished watching that i uh, was recommended samurai gourmet and it's a perfect continuation of that show it's about uh, a a former how how are they called not businessman but company company man yep. who's uh we see him on his on the he, he retires from the company and it's the first day of retirement and he is he's he's suffering he has this retirement shock for for a bit until he decides to to go out of of his comfort zone and and eat at a as a at a restaurant and in the first episode he he wants to order order a beer but then he thinks yeah well drinking beer on in in the day isn't uh, isn't something that's um appreciated by society so to say and then he imagines a samurai a a a Oh, a ronin in, in this case a masterless samurai coming into the uh, the restaurant and ordering sake in the middle of the day and there are employed samurai sitting behind him and they're giving him shit for for drinking during the day and he doesn't take their shit he doesn't kill them but he gives them uh he gives them lip and yeah they they decide to to leave the, the restaurant and the old man returns from from that vision that he has and says i'm gonna be a samurai gourmet I'm gonna I'm gonna eat what I want. I'm gonna drink during the day, and I'm gonna live I'm gonna live a good life in in retirement. Yeah. And it, it gets so. even better in the second episode. It's, <laughs> so it's a great show. He, like being a Ronin, he goes from restaurant to restaurant and, <laughs> and just eats whatever he wants. Like is is that the premise? That's the premise. That's kind of what I got from the trailer. Uh, in in the sense of like. He um, uses the, fa and I don't know, like he uses the fantasy of the samurai, of the ronin, to help him get to terms with just doing what he wants to do yeah. without feeling the pressure of having to do stuff that he thinks is expected of him. Yes. Right? Okay. I mean. <laughs> I can relate with that man so much and I'm not retired. And it's, it's, I think it's a great yeah, I, I, comfort I, I, yeah. TV. I think it's. Food. It's an interesting premise because it's an analogy, isn't it? It's like, I think everyone has that feeling of doing what they feel they have to do versus what they want to do, you know? And so this is this is taking it and putting it in the context of just something as almost as simple as ordering food at a, at a, at a restaurant, that even that has so much of societal expectation. <laughs> and so it becomes an analogy for like everything else that you do in life, um, but doing it in a very mundane kind of um humorous way and the second okay. episode is even better because it's about uh how how do you how do you react to getting bad food you know what what if if you don't if the the food doesn't isn't prepared to your to your taste and how how do you communicate that and it's it's hilarious it's, i think it's okay. hilarious it's a great show <laughs> to All watch right, in between I, I mean look i I saw the trailer on Netflix and I'm like, okay, this is interesting, but I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I'll I will I will give it another look <laughs> next time. I need a I I need a comfort show. <laughs> yeah, and a, a palate cleanser after Legion and Gifted and Westworld oh, yeah. and all the high concept stuff, the Expanse, all the high concept stuff that is floating around at the moment. Yeah, I'm about to start Black Mirror. I haven't actually watched any of the Black Mirror. Yeah, episodes. I have to start that too. Um. So Black Mirror is supposed to be very, leaves you with a very bad aftertaste. So maybe this is a good antidote <laughs> yeah. to that. Switch over to the so, gourmet. <laughs> yeah, Black Mirror with a samurai gourmet chaser. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right.
Cool. And so the final show that we wanted to just quickly go over today was DuckTales. So a new trailer came out for the new DuckTales TV series. This will be amazing. It looks pretty cool. I like, um, I like, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say I, I like how they further develop the story, but I'm remembering the last DuckTales TV series from when I was like eight years old. So I can't remember the details of Huey, Dewey and Louie and how the whole thing was set up and uh, all of that. I just know that I enjoyed watching DuckTales as yeah, a kid. That was such a great show. <laughs> Uh, I love, I love uh, when they meet. Uh, is it? I don't know. Is it Scrooge McDuck's daughter, or they? Uh, it's a, his, no, it's the. It was the niece of the housekeeper in the original. Uh, original. Oh okay. right, okay, the niece of the housekeeper, and she sort of she's so excited to meet uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, the triplets. And she goes, "You have to tell me everything." And then she asks, "Who's the evil triplet?" And they both <laughs> yeah. point. They both point to Louie, I think, <laughs> and he's just like, eh, yeah. "Yes." You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like it's gonna be pretty fun. Yeah, and at so. the end when they when the plane's crashing. <laughs> <laughs> oh the ground. <laughs> yes. And I, I love how how they've um how they've positioned Daff uh not Daffy Duck, um Donald Duck as um as like this this intrepid adventurer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Yeah. It's more of a uh he's yeah. He's more of an Inspector Clouseau type character. Yeah, that's quite true. But if they, if they play it right, it could be this generation's uh, uh, DuckTales. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I love DuckTales and Tailspin was also Tailspin really cool. Tailspin was like, good, yeah. Those adventure story shows were always lots of fun. And, and it goes back to that whole, uh, like, that's where Indiana Jones fits as well. You know, it's all about the adventure. It's all about, like, that, that fusion of adventure, the cool locations and like the 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 archae- archaeological side of things with like the mystery and like you know the the ancient knowledge and all of that sort of stuff so ducktales definitely goes into that and yeah i mean ho- hopefully um hopefully it's not just a kids show <laughs> and it's actually watchable for adults as well so. and even if it, it it's a great thing to bond over if you yeah, have a, if you're yeah. a parent and you know it it's something yeah. you can do with your kids Awesome. So, cool. So that pretty much covers our movie and TV coverage for this week. So now now we're up to uh, a new segment we're going to call the listener question. So we've got a question this, this week <laughs> So uh, from one of my friends in um, Brazil who asked me this and said it would be a good question to discuss in the show. So from Walter in Brazil, the question is, why doesn't, Captain, uh, why doesn't Iron Man make a suit out of vibranium? So when I first uh, posed the question to Martin, he had an awesome reaction. And so I think we're going <laughs> yeah, to cut that in. Because I've got one from someone at work was also contacted me and they asked, why doesn't Stark create an Iron Man suit out of vibranium? <laughs> That's <laughs> a that's the best question. That's <laughs> the best question. All okay, right, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to say, I think. Uh, I I first asked Martin this question about two hours ago, and he's still laughing over it. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to hear 
what he has to say. Uh, but please start. <laughs> so, to me, so I mean, I'm gonna. Uh, I was quite boring with with my rationalization of why Captain why uh, Iron Man doesn't have a suit made out of vibranium. I think it's established in the law that vibranium is pretty hard to um, to work with, right? So I think it's not as hard as adamantium, which is just the other like fictional metal in the Marvel universe. But I don't think ad- adamantium exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is where Iron Man and Captain America and all those guys are. But vibranium, I think they say, is pretty hard to um, to shape and and work with, and that's why even creating the shield was like a big deal. How Black Panther is able to weave it into a suit, I'm not sure. But uh, you know, he's got he's got advanced skills with vibranium because it comes from Wakanda, and so I mean, so that's one thing. Um, and I think the Iron Man suit obviously requires a lot of um, a lot of intricate parts that need to interlock and fit together. So I don't know what the manufacturing process of that would be. So that's kind of a boring manufacturing answer. And then the the political answer from my side would be just around. The fact that um, all the vibranium generally comes from Wodonga, uh, <laughs> comes from Wodonga, which is a town that I that I lived in in Australia. Um, but <laughs> all of the vibranium comes from Wakanda, right? Which is where Black Panther's from, and it's very difficult to actually source vibranium in the world unless you buy it off the black market. Yep. And that's what Ulysses Claw was doing in Avengers: Age of Ultron. So they were working with him to get vibranium through the black market. So you know, both from a sourcing vibranium point of view is quite difficult and then working and manufacturing with vibranium is also quite difficult and so seeing as how Iron Man goes through suits like he goes through underwear I don't think it would be a very <laughs> a very uh, economic uh, <laughs> solution for him so that's my side of the answer what's yours? I think it's a brilliant it's a brilliant question because it's basically the end of the MCU if Tony Stark gets that idea because he doesn't even have to fashion a suit. He just fashions an Iron Man mannequin with a voice box out of vibranium and shows up at every every evildoer's plan and just, I'm Iron Man, I'm here to stop him. And I just, the first image that came to my mind was the Iron Man mannequin standing in the middle of a crater while every bad guy is punching on it. And the, they're just exhausting themselves while all the Avengers are standing around the crater with a coffee mug, you know, and, ch- and eating popcorn <laughs> yeah, and enjoy- enjoying their time and just waiting until everybody's exhausted. <laughs> and they just put handcuffs on them and put them, and put them uh, in, in jail. It's, it's such an amazing idea because the, the, the Iron Man uh, vibranium mannequin is the secret hero of the, of the whole Marvel universe. <laughs> that, maybe that's the end game. Maybe Tony's like, look, if it ever gets to that, I've got the mannequin waiting. It's just... <laughs> that's the solution in Infinity War. He just rolls yeah. the thing out and smashes it and Thanos and bang, it just bangs up. Like there's no tomorrow, and he can't do anything because my sorry, I've <laughs> I've hit the mic there because my yeah. is vibranium is um is taking out the kinetic energy in the MCU as well. It's just, it's just absorbing all the kinetic universe. Yeah, all so, the kinetic energy in the universe. It doesn't matter. It would be <laughs> just so amazing. <laughs> you know, all, all this thing. Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, all the struggle. <laughs> Everything could have been that the ultimate solution is the Iron Mannequin. <laughs> That's the ultimate. 
or the vibranium mannequin. That's the ultimate solution. It's such a great idea. <laughs> it's, it's such a great idea. <laughs> All right. Now, the flip side of not so much the flip side, but like, don't we already have that situation though? Isn't vision made out of vibranium? <laughs> <laughs> Is it made out of vibranium? I don't know. I think he was made. He was made out of vibranium. Yeah, they, they, he was put. He was born in the in the uh, re recombination thing that gave Hawkeye skin. <laughs> no, no. So um, the skin thing. Yeah, it's it's yeah. The skin thing was like one of those. Uh, I, I think it was the same device or the same box. Yeah. But um, so that you know, going back to Avengers: Age of Ultron, right? Yeah. Uh, Ultron wants to craft a new body for himself. So he buys, he's the one that goes to buy the vibranium off Ulysses' claw. He takes that vibranium to South Korea, where the skin grafting box thing is. And he works with that, that female doctor to make the body, which Vision ends up being born into. Right? So that body is actually made out of vibranium. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> You know, they combine it with artificial organic tissue. <laughs> so it's not completely so it's, it's, it, it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not pure vibranium. You know, the, the spaces between his toes are made of <laughs> organic tissue. And he wears adamantium boots. <laughs> it's amazing. I hope Marvel listens to this. <laughs> I gotta say, this is the most I've ever heard Martin laugh in my life. This is crazy. You know, it's, you know, it becomes the ultimate solution to everything. You know, just send Vishnu. You know, it's been made up by <laughs> indestructible. I mean, by the same token, though, that's what Black Panther's suit's made out of. It's an, it's an adamantium <laughs> yeah, suit, right? It's I'm sorry, it's a vibranium suit. Yes. A vibranium weave suit. <laughs> So he, at the same time, also can take any punch. And, and we discussed that. So there's that scene in Civil War yeah. where he's on the rooftop and they're shooting at him from the helicopters. And he's, there, there's, there is no, um, um, it just the, the bullets have no stopping yeah. power because he's, they're just bouncing off him because it's absorbing all of the energy. And it just skulls at the, at the helicopter from which they're shooting yeah. at him. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Walter, you're a genius. <laughs> you know, that's that points out we, we should have known about this stuff before asking this question. I mean, we should have known about this. It's just a logical part of of our brains putting putting this information. Yeah, <laughs> because it knows nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like we've managed to compartmentalize it all away. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. So there you go. So if Iron Man, I think Walt is effectively solved. That's the that's the that's the end game of the Marvel universe. I think we just need to. Like, Iron Man has just got that um, vibranium suit <laughs> waiting, and if he ever at the moment he's like, nah. If I use it now, it's just going to be too easy. So he's just <laughs> waiting. He's just waiting to use it. And Robert Downey Jr. could could sell such a scene. If if they're all beaten up and he comes in with with his with the Downey Junior bravado, <laughs> and here's the solution to all our problems ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, it's end game time, people. 
I'm sick of this. I need to I need to go home and have some shawarma. <laughs> and then he presses the big red reboot button. <laughs> Phase one again. Yeah. Uh, cool. So I mean, so no, it's a, it's a really good thought experiment. Definitely. Yeah. We 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 know now just from what we've discovered that vibranium can be, I guess, uh, manipulated into a suit. Uh, how it would function if it were a suit, and then if that suit was the Iron Man suit, it would just be the next next level out. So, Walter, you're a genius. Yeah, you're a genius. Thank <laughs> you so much for that question. So I think um, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah. We're gonna try to have we're gonna try to have a discussion like this um, at the end of the next the next episodes as well. So if there's any other questions that you have or anything yeah, else we, that you we need your help to talk, please about. make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's actually the name of the segment. It's Make Martin's Day. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Oh. You know, I'm still <laughs> so thinking that's... about all those guys punching on that thing and you know taking turns. <laughs> you just love that visualization of <laughs> yeah. like inside of, of like he's just standing there in the middle of a crater and everyone's trying to take him down, but they can't. They, right? they just can't. <laughs> and the world is this big utopian place, and everybody's living in peace because all the assholes are trying to kill Iron Man. <laughs> whole nations are, are putting millions and millions of dollars in to take down Iron Man you know and the rest of the world can live happily ever after Talk about he, he, at the end of the day he didn't need to put a dome around the world he just needed to put a vibranium <laughs> dome around himself oh dear <laughs> alright cool <laughs> Well, that is episode three, the season two of uh, Asteroids and Excel. So I hope everyone had as much fun as we as did. We did yeah. that, that was so much fun. <laughs> Thanks again, Walter. Please send in questions. Asteroids in Excel at gmail.com. And we have a Twitter now too. So yeah. you can tweet us at Asteroids in. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> because we couldn't fit the Excel in there. I, it's on my list. You know, I, I have... So much shit has been going down those last few weeks, but it's 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 on my list to find a, a suitable Twitter handle because AIE podcast was already taken. Yeah, I don't know. Oh well, we'll, we'll just keep it for asteroids in for the moment. For the moment so. Yeah. yeah, so watch that space. Cool. So thanks everyone for listening. If you made it this far, yeah, we're about thank you oh, so much. You are saints. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Until then. Right, bye bye. bye. I have actual laughing sweats under my armpits.